0: NetSuite is the number 1 cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com/earnings right now. netsuite.com/earnings. Welding instructor Alex Declaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help
1: students master their skills.
2: There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact.
0: Donald Trump and Congressional Republicans say repealing Obamacare will be a top priority once the new president is sworn in. But with 20 million people depending on Obamacare for their health insurance, an immediate cutoff could pose problems. House Speaker Paul Ryan acknowledged as much last month. We have to bring relief to Obamacare as quickly as possible. So that it stops doing damage, not just to the healthcare system, but to the families of America who need affordable health insurance. So that is why we're going to do is do it as well and as fast as we can, but make sure that the transition um, does not uh, pull the rug out from under people. Further complicating matters is a lawsuit filed in 2014 by House Republicans that claims the Obama administration has been making unauthorized payments to insurance companies. Republicans won before a federal trial judge in the cases on appeal. Now the dispute is the focus of courthouse wrangling that could affect how a repeal of Obamacare happens. With us today to talk about the litigation and its impact on the potential repeal of Obamacare is Abby Gluck, a professor at Yale Law School, and Abigail Moncrief, a professor at Boston University's School of Law. They're joining us on the Spectrum Enterprise phone line. Spectrum Spectrum Enterprise, Nationwide Fiber-Based Network and IT Infrastructure Solutions. Abby Gluck, uh, first of all, we'll try to keep the two Abbies straight here. Uh, This is a a complicated uh, case, complicated stuff here. Let's just start by talking about the underlying case. What is it that the House Republicans said in their lawsuit that the Obama administration was doing wrong?
2: Okay, great. So House versus Burwell is a challenge to what are called the cost-sharing reductions provided under the Affordable Care Act. Those are payments to insurers that in turn translate to Um, lower deductibles and co-pays for individual Americans who have insurance policies. And a couple of years ago the House filed a lawsuit saying that the funds were not properly appropriated uh, in the statute uh, for the Obama administration to actually be paying those uh, cost-sharing reductions. That's what the case is about at the small level, but it's important to also understand that the case is also about a huge legal principle that has nothing to do with the Affordable Care Act, and that's the ability of one House of Congress to sue the president for his implementation of the law. House versus Burwell is an unprecedented victory for the House of Representatives on that point. There's never been a successful challenge um, on that point before. So the case is very important, regardless of what happens to the Affordable Care Act. Abigail, so take us through the procedural impact of the case until now. Just tell us what's happened procedurally.
1: So, so procedurally, so far, where we are is that the, the district court uh, granted an injunction against the pain of cost-sharing subsidies. Uh, first, uh, as, as Abby Gluck said, um, the district court ruled that the House had standing to challenge the Obamacare aspect of the case. There was another aspect of the case where they lost their, uh, their argument for standing, so they were granted standing, and then they won on the merits um, and won an injunction against the payment of cost-sharing subsidies. The district court having ruled that the uh, funds were not, in fact, appropriated, um, and uh, and then they stayed. The district court stayed the uh, stayed the order pending the appeal, and uh, and we're currently pending before the uh, the federal appeals court in the D.C. Circuit. And uh, and the House moved recently to to hold the case in abeyance, pending the transition to the Trump administration, uh, arguing that the Trump administration might drop the the appeal uh, or that the House and the Trump administration might be able to reach a settlement, because with the transition, obviously, we would have a different perspective entering the White House uh, that might not be interested in pursuing the appeal any further. So uh, the, the, the D.C. Circuit agreed to hold the case in abeyance, and now we have some interveners to uh, individuals from California who are asking to intervene in the litigation to, um, to push the, the D.C. Circuit to rule on the merits, regardless of whether the Trump administration might be interested in either dismissing or settling the appeal.
0: Okay, so we've got a lot lot going on here. Let's put the interveners to the side for a second, Ab- Abby Gluck. Just talk about what the, the incoming Trump administration's options might be, assuming that the interveners don't don't complicate their plans. How, it, given that the, the president-elect has said he wants to appeal Obamacare, wh- what might he and what could he do with this lawsuit?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's in a really difficult position. If I were him, I might actually be rooting for the interveners to win, uh, and, and this is why. Um, If he does nothing, let's say he comes in, he says, okay, we're going to drop the appeal. What happens then? It means that the House wins. It means the cost-sharing payments stop. It means the insurers can't afford to be on the exchanges anymore, and they pull out. And you get insurance market chaos, right? Now, you may be saying, okay, he's going to repeal the Affordable Care Act, but he's not. He's repealing and delaying. So the Affordable Care Act is still going to be operational for the next four years, maybe, Um, which means, but it won't be able to function, right, if these cost-sharing payments stop. So he's going to have to do what? Pay the insurers money, to keep them on the exchanges. And that translates to exactly the same kind of insurance bailout that he's been criticizing for the last two years. He's, be, he's put between a rock well, and a really hard place. That's well, why well, I think he should be rooting for the interveners to win, because if they win, the cost-sharing payments continue, and he sort of gets out of this jam that the House created when they had an administration that was unfavorable to their position.
0: Well, Abby Gluck, just to follow up on that, it, is, is a settlement possible? Uh, could, could the administration sure. you know, settle in a way we, that says we will continue those payments for you know, a certain period of time to have that kind of transition that, that Paul Ryan was talking about?
2: Sure, but that's laughable, right? So what's a settlement? A settlement is sure will stay the impact of the injunction as long as what? The Affordable Care Act is in existence? So that's a fake victory for the House, right? And the reason Trump should not want that. Right. The reason Trump should not want that is that any incoming president should not want the lower court decision to stand because the lower court gives Congress a lot more power to challenge an incoming president in the courtroom than it's ever had in history. So it's not really in any administration's interest to let that lower court decision stand as an initial matter, which is why there's an incentive to appeal. But any kind of settlement will de facto be translated to what would have been a win for the Obama administration because it would mean that the cost-sharing reductions will continue as long as the affordable care act is in existence. Of course they can settle it and they can spin it as a victory, but it's a practical matter They're just going to be continuing the Affordable Care Act as the Obama administration thought it was drafted in the first place. So the whole thing is sort of an Alice in Wonderland scenario. And, uh, Greg, I just want to point out that despite the Alice in Wonderland scenario, the Senate just released a budget resolution to speed Obamacare repeal. So they're starting off with that? but the Obamacare repeal doesn't have a replacement, right? The Obamacare exactly. Exactly. A with a four-year, three to four-year delay, right? Well, and so, I'm not disagreeing thing. with you. I'm just, yeah. I'm just stating what just happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, no. Thanks for clarifying that.
0: Our guests are Abigail Moncrief, who teaches at Boston University School of Law, and Abby Gluck of yale law school they're joining us on the spectrum enterprise phone line spectrum enterprise nationwide fiber-based network and it infrastructure solutions abigail Moncrief, abby was abby gluck was saying that uh uh that the trump administration might almost be better off if uh this case went went forward and the payments weren't cut off uh in a sense they would be losing in terms of their position on obamacare but winning in terms of of the flexibility they would have do you agree with that assessment
1: yeah i mean i think i think abby put it exactly right when she said that the trump administration is Caught between a rock and a hard place. I think they, the, the Trump administration doesn't want to look like it's caving on the attack against Obamacare. Um, but at the same time, I don't think any incoming president should say, oh, there's this court order that says that the House of Representatives has standing to challenge anything I do that might plausibly be illegal or against the House's preferred interpretation of a statutory provision. So... Uh, you know, let's just let that stand. I, the, the Trump administration, no, no incoming president, no president should want the House of Representatives to be allowed to challenge uh, the the executive branch's interpretation of a statutory provision. So So if I were the administration, regardless of my position on Obamacare, I would say, look, let's fix Obamacare through the legislative process, not through this lawsuit. Uh, and so I, you know, I think I would be inclined to make a big show of, yeah, of course we're going to repeal Obamacare, but we're not going to do it through this, uh, through this court case. I think that's how, you know, they should want to proceed. I, but, but by the same token, I, you know, the Trump administration wants to work with Ryan and, and, and the house and the house brought this lawsuit. So, you know, so I don't know what they're going to do and I don't know what's best for them. Really?
2: Abby. How is the DC Circuit Court of Appeals likely to rule on this emergency motion to intervene? Well, they ruled last week, what they did do last week was they pushed the time frame up. So what had happened was when the interveners came in, there had been some papers filed that said, okay, basically let's deal with this after the administration takes office. Um, and the interveners came back and said no. Uh, we have reasons for wanting this to happen before, precisely because they're afraid of some settlement that would let the decision stand while still sort of wreaking the same harm uh, on the insured. And by 2-1 by order last week, the D.C. – or for the holidays, the D.C. Circuit came in and said, okay, we want the briefing filed before the 20th. So they're setting themselves up to actually make the decision before the 20th. Uh, we don't know how that's going to come down, but at least it sounds like at least two of the judges on that panel – had heard sort of the timing implications that were buried or emphasized uh, in the intervener's briefing and you know, thought they were reasonable and it pushed the cases on, on a faster time frame than the House had wanted.
0: A- Abigail, that the, the the judges who ruled on that case, the the two Democratic appointees, uh, David Hidal and Sri Shree uh were the ones who said uh, you, you respond to this this emergency motion. And uh, Republican appointee Karen Lecraft Henderson said, uh, "I disagree." Does this case look like so many other Obamacare cases where we're going to see a partisan divide on on the Court of Appeals?
1: I mean, it sure looks like it so far. Um... I I'm I'm surprised by it, by the two to one split. Um, I would think that, that some of the big structural issues in this case would be um interesting in a kind of nonpartisan way. Um but uh but it sure looks like it's splitting along pure party lines so far. Um so and is the upshot of
0: that given that given that this is a democratic a court with more democratic appointees that that it's likely that the the, the court might let the appeal go forward Sure. Go? yeah
1: i mean I, I think yeah i think that's exactly right i um yeah i can't i can't imagine that you know it is a heavily democratic court um and and so if it can if it maintains this part of the event then i think that's um good news for the interveners
0: Okay, that means we're going to have more to talk about here on Bloomberg Law. As this case goes forward, we will keep an eye on it and talk more with our guests today, uh, Abby Gluck of Yale Law School and Abigail Moncrief of Boston University School of Law. Thank you so much for being on Bloomberg Law to talk about this case that uh, could make the complicated repeal of Obamacare even more complicated. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea From Bloomberg Business Week, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.